This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by the Engineering Management Institute, where we focus on helping engineers and technical professionals become effective managers and powerful leaders. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers and technical professionals who want to succeed in both work and life. In today's episode, I'm excited to talk with well-known professor George Seidel. He's an expert in the topic of negotiation, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you. George was so good and gave so much practical advice around negotiation based on his writing, his books, his research. And what's interesting about this is I think when you say the word negotiation, immediately professionals think about, ooh, I'm going to be able to make more money. I'm going to be able to negotiate a salary raise. But really what we're talking about here is everything in life is a negotiation, right? Everything is a give and take, a back and forth. It's not just related to salary. It's related to conversations with people. It's related to clients and interactions and your kids, if you're parents, getting them to do stuff that you want them to do, et cetera. And so I think that what really came out of this episode for me, and George gave a lot of great strategies, but from a big picture standpoint, I also felt like, wow, negotiation is with us on a daily basis. We're always using it. And so it's really, really important to build up some negotiation skills. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And George is going to walk through some different skills. And then at the end of the episode, actually, in the Take Action Today segment, he's going to talk about something you can do immediately to be practical, to improve your skills. And he gives kind of an example of an exercise that he also gives his students to do a negotiating exercise, which I think you'll like as well. So before we jump in here, I do want to just take a moment to recognize our sponsor for the episode. Stick around later on in this podcast for my essential career advancement tips. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical advice and the best resources for your licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available to our listeners thanks to PPI. And you definitely don't want to miss that. I also want to take a moment to just mention our online management training course, the Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop, which you can find out all the details at Engineer2Manager. That's engineertomanager.com. Our next course starts September 14th. This is an online course that can be taken by individual engineers. You can go to that website, click individuals and enroll, or corporations also enroll teams that can work on a team project. We have two different tracks, the individual and the corporate teams. And I can tell you right now, if you take this course, your management skills will be better. We do five one-hour live skill building sessions via webinar during the course, one on developing effective communication skills, which includes interaction with clients and teammates and colleagues and other consultants. We do a session on networking and building relationships. We do one on how to build your expertise and get better at public speaking. We do one on productivity, which has been one of the, the class favorites so far. And we also do one, of course, on leadership. And we really focus on delegation and being a high leverage manager and using the 80-20 rule. So again, check it out at engineertomanager.com, engineertomanager.com. All right, now I'd like to introduce our guest for today's episode, just so you get to know a little bit more about him. George J. Seidel is an American author and professor on the faculty at the Ross School of Business, University of Michigan, where he is the Williamson Family Professor of Business Administration and the Thurnau 
professor of business law. He is known for his research on proactive law, negotiation, and alternative dispute resolution, and for his pioneering work in the development of MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses. Seidel received a Bachelor of Arts degree from the College of Worcester, a JD from the University of Michigan, and a postgraduate diploma in law from Cambridge University. Seidel's approach to negotiation strategy combines theory with practical advice. This approach, which he'll talk about in the interview you're about to hear, is summarized in his book, Negotiating for Success, Essential Strategies and Skills. And also, he's done numerous media interviews on these topics as well. So with that, what I'd like to do is bring us into this interview with Professor Seidel with a quote that I really think sums it up well. The quote's from John Rampton. Negotiating isn't about getting what you want or giving into what the other party wants. It's not an either-or situation. It's about having both parties walk away satisfied. Over the years in both business and life, I've had to learn this hard lesson. All right, now I'd like to welcome Professor George Seidel to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Professor Seidel is at the University of Michigan in the Ross School of Business, and he's joining us today to talk a little bit about negotiating. Welcome, Professor. Thank you, Anthony. Nice to be here. All right, so before we get started here, I gave our listeners a little bit of your background, but I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your career and what got you to where you are today in your own terms to start. After uh, completing my undergraduate degree, I attended the University of Michigan Law School and also studied law at Cambridge University in England and returned to the States and practiced law for a couple of years. And then I began my teaching career. And I've been at Michigan, University of Michigan, pretty much ever since, although I've been a visiting professor at uh, Stanford Business School, Harvard Business School, and Berkeley. I also, for a while, served as associate dean at Michigan in charge of executive education and several other programs. So that's pretty much the career in a nutshell. George, I was Googling around on Amazon looking for some information on negotiating, and I found your book, Negotiating for Success, Essential Strategies and Skills. And before we get into the topic, the first question I have for you is, what brought you to write a book on the topic of negotiating? There were two things that uh, caused me to write the book. First of all, there's a movement in higher education toward the development of what are called MOOCs, M-O-O-C, which stands for Massive Open Online Courses. And so Michigan, in partnership with Princeton and Penn and Stanford, started offering these massive courses, and they asked me to do a MOOC on negotiation. And I needed some course materials. For the MOOC. And so that was one motivation for writing the book. And it turned out that the MOOC uh, was tremendously popular. So far, uh, 600,000 people from around the world have signed up MOOC. The second reason is that I wanted a book that blended a solid negotiation research with practical advice on how to negotiate. It seems as though most of the negotiation books went one way or the other. They would either focus on theory or they would be very practical, but without a theoretical or research base. So I wanted to bring the two together when I wrote the book. And for our listeners that aren't familiar with MOOCs, 
basically, from my understanding, George, a MOOC is an open online course by a university that is open to pretty much anyone. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. And so, uh, for example, if you type in my name, S-I-E-D-E-L, and Coursera, that's the platform, C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A, you'll immediately see my course. And within five minutes, you can be taking the course for free. Yeah, it's an interesting and it's something that's, I think, very powerful for those of you listening that like to learn. These courses are available through several universities these days. They're out there and they're available. And within minutes, you can be taking them. And I actually saw the, I believe it was the president of Georgia Tech at a conference speak about these massive open online courses. And when they initially started thinking of doing them, they thought that it would maybe possibly decrease the revenue of the school because they were giving away like the education. But apparently in their case, it's been the opposite. It's just exposed so many more people to the information that it's had a lot of positive effects. So if you're someone that wants to really learn, you can do that by getting involved with these courses. All right, George, so you had to do the course, decided to write the book. And I agree with you. I've read some books on negotiating and they seem to be very analytical or very much talking about the specific recipes or equations or tools. But the practical side of it is also important. And I think that negotiating in general seems to always be a topic that is of interest to people, probably because people think the word negotiating would mean that they're going to make more money or something along those lines, which is why I think that whenever I talk about it or do a podcast on it, it seems popular. Your course seems popular, but let's talk a little bit about that. Why do you think it's important for engineers and I guess really professionals in general to learn about negotiation? One of the things I really enjoyed doing the course is that I receive so much feedback from learners in the course. When I teach a course on campus, I do it to MBA students or undergrads, and they're going to use the materials in the future at some point. But when I do a MOOC, the learners in the course are going to use the information immediately. And often they will email me and tell me about their experiences, which are generally positive. So I have literally hundreds of emails from people uh, giving me examples of their experience. And what I really enjoy is hearing stories about how they use the course in their careers for career advancement, how they use the course for in certain areas like engineering, but they also uh, use the materials even on a personal level when they're negotiating to buy a car, when they're negotiating with a spouse or negotiating with their kids. So it's something that applies across the board. And I've received messages from many engineers in Asia, Europe, Middle East, South America. And and from the engineers, I basically received two types of messages. One type is this course has really been great in negotiating advancement of my career. And I think by that, they mean uh, a better position, higher salary, et cetera. But the other type of message focuses more on the actual substance of their work. For example, got a message from a petrochemical engineer who's involved in negotiating with oil companies. And uh, he uses it in his career, but he also wanted the skill because he wanted to move from engineering to management and felt that this was a critical skill for that move. So two types of learners, I think, in the engineering community. So diving into the book a little bit, in the book, you discuss different negotiation strategies and skills. So 
Let's touch on one of each here. What would you say is the most important negotiation strategy or one that you want to talk about here? I think by far the most important strategy is the focus on trying to find interests of the other side and and find out where those interests match your own so that you can both benefit from the negotiation. Researchers talk about something called the fixed high assumption. A lot of negotiators walk into a negotiation and they think they're arguing over a fixed amount. And the bigger piece of the pie I get, the smaller piece you get. Whereas in fact, if they look at the big picture, if they focus on interests rather than positions, then they can often develop what's called mutual gains bargaining. They realize that they both can benefit. They both can gain by identifying mutual interests. So for example, a very simple exercise when you're negotiating, rather than asking somebody, what do you want? For example, what do you want for this real estate? Instead of asking what you want, which is very positional, ask them, why do you want it? And when you ask them why they want, that opens the door to a discussion of interests. And uh, that's when you have the opportunity to match their interests with your interests and build a larger pie that benefits both sides. I love that specific action or tactic there of asking why. I think that can really open up the conversation. And I did do a course myself also on negotiating recently, which led me to your book because I was doing a lot of research. And that was one of the things too that opened kind of my eyes the most about negotiation is the idea of a win-win. Just like you said, I think most people think that you only really win the negotiation if you win and the other person loses. And that's not the case, especially as an engineer. If you're dealing with a client, maybe you're negotiating a contract. I mean, if you win that negotiation, so to speak, and the client feels like they've lost, it's not going to be a beneficial to the long-term development of the relationship. So it's good in negotiating, as George said, to look for these win-win possibilities because then both parties are going to walk away happy and that's going to help for long-term. And in most cases in an engineering situation, whether you're negotiating a salary or a new contract or a new project, you're going to be dealing with these people long-term. And so I think that that is a very important strategy. How about when it comes to skills, George, which one skill that you can talk about that's important? That's a good question. What I've found in teaching negotiation over the years, and I, I teach negotiation around the world, and this is pretty universal. People think that when you negotiate, your goal is to try to persuade the other side to do what you want to advocate what you want. When in fact, the great negotiators have the skill of asking questions and then listening carefully to the answers so that they can incorporate that information into the negotiation. And the negotiators that can do that are going to be much more powerful because in a negotiation, information is power. That's what gives you your power. What we have to avoid is what's sometimes called the next-in-line effect. When you or I are in a social situation, sometimes to keep the conversation going, we'll ask questions to the other person. But often, we don't listen carefully to the answers because we're thinking about what we're going to say next. We're the next-in-line, where the great negotiators are the ones who not only are asking important questions, but they're listening uh, carefully to the answers. And uh, researchers have found that there's some cultural differences in the ability to ask questions. For example, they have uh, studied Chinese negotiators and compared them with German negotiators. 
And what they've discovered is that Chinese negotiators ask three times as many questions as the German negotiators. And that means Chinese negotiators are gathering that much more information than the German negotiators that they can use for negotiation success. It sounds like asking questions is a very powerful skill and can really give you a lot of information, which is power. And that was kind of along the lines of one of the next questions I was going to ask you. You may have answered it, but I want to reinforce it is I know at times when you get into a negotiation, people talk a lot about leverage or having the power in the negotiation. And at some points you might feel like you've lost that power to the person you're negotiating with. To get that back, it sounds like one way to do it would be questioning them. Is that accurate? Yes. But then the next question is, uh, what do you question them about? So questioning does give you information. But then the question is, what type of information is most useful? And there's a concept. I'm sure, Anthony, if you just took a course on negotiation, you bumped into this concept. It's called BATNA, B-A-T-N-A. And it stands for Best Alternative to a Negotiated Agreement. And What it means, quite simply, is that whenever you're negotiating, you always have to think, if this negotiation fails, then what happens? What are my alternatives? In fact, this concept is so important that whenever you're preparing for a negotiation, this is the very first question you should always ask. What is my BATNA? Because if you have a strong BATNA, if you have a strong alternative, that gives you great leverage in a negotiation. You're negotiating from power. If you have a a weak BATNA, then of course you have to dance around that and you're in a much weaker position. When you ask about what type of information, trying to find the other person's BATNA, trying to find out how powerful they are is really critical. And then doing what you can to try to weaken their BATNA while also improving your own BATNA. That's your BATNA strategy. So, George, if I want to give an example of this, let's say I go out, I'm going to buy a car and I go to a car dealership and they give me a quote of $15,000 for a car that I really like. And, and I think it's a really good price. But then I walk across the street and I'm about to try to get a better price. My BATNA is the $15,000 deal that I can get that I already know I can get. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So if that 15000 is a good price, then I'm going into the other place thinking, man, I mean, the worst thing that can happen is I walk back across the street and I get the deal for fifteen. So I'm in a very powerful position. However, if that 15000 was a couple thousand more than I have available to spend, then my BATNA is not as good and I'm, I'm not starting off in a good position. Well, if you only have thirteen to spend, unless you have another car deal in the works, your BATNA is walking or biking. You have to develop another alternative, another car, or another dealership if you only have 13. That's what we call a reservation price, a negotiation language, your reserve price. That's the most you can pay for the car. You mentioned there that one of the things you can do during the negotiation is try to weaken the other person's BATNA. How do you go about doing that? For example, I'm sitting here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And down the road, we've got the large car companies. So let's say that I am a supplier, and every three years, I negotiate a contract with uh, Ford, for example. So I walk into the meeting with Ford, and Ford is probably immediately going to tell me their BATNA. They're probably going to say, look, George, you've been working with us for years, but we have five other suppliers sitting out there in the waiting room who would love to have our business. 
So how much are you going to lower your price? So they're uh, negotiating from strength because they have so many suppliers that they can use. What I have to do then is to try to weaken their BATNA by, for example, emphasizing the fact that, look, Ford, I've worked with you for years. I've always delivered high quality product. I've delivered on time. We've worked together as partners in new product development. We've got a reliable product. If you go with one of those other suppliers to save a few dollars, get a lower price, you're at high risk in the kind of product and delivery. So, you know, that's the kind of conversation I have to, to weaken their BATNA. That's very helpful. I think the BATNA provides a very practical strategy that everyone can think about. And so what I also wanted to ask you was how can you prepare for negotiation? It sounds like the first step is to think about the BATNA. Exactly. And now preparation is a sensitive topic because I've been involved in uh, some research and it's incredible the number of large corporations who do not prepare for a negotiation. They tend to think, well, negotiation is an individual skill and uh, doesn't take much analytical preparation. What I've done as part of my teaching is to develop what's called a negotiation planner. And in fact, if you Google negotiation planner, it should be the very first site that appears. And at negotiation planner, you'll find a negotiation planning checklist like BATNA. Okay, I see it. Negotiationplanner.com. Yes. We'll link to it for all the listeners so they can access it. Okay. At this website, you'll see a number of tools, but the most important tool is the very first one, the negotiation planning checklist. By the way, I've also developed apps available through the App Store or Google Play that are available for no charge if you want to use the, this uh, planner on your phone during a negotiation. The main goal here is to have a checklist of items to think about when you prepare for negotiation. You'll be way ahead of the other side if you do this. That's great. And this website has a, a tremendous amount of resources that are free and available. So we will share that with everyone. It's, it looks wonderful. All right. So George, you talked a little bit before about people from different cultures. They might negotiate a little bit differently. We're talking about preparation here. Is there anything you need to do differently to prepare if you know you're going to be dealing with an international negotiation or cross cultures? Well, the main thing you have to consider is there are actually two things. Number one, the style of the other side. And then second, what are their deep values and beliefs? And in terms of style, in the negotiation planner, I have an assessment tool that I think is very useful, not only in, in determining what the negotiation style of the other side is, but also in identifying your own negotiation style. So what you can do is to go through this assessment, find out where you lie on each element, and then do the same with the person from the other culture. And then you can do what's called a gap analysis. You can see where there are gaps between your style and the other side and use that gap analysis to prepare for negotiation. Should negotiation strategies be different, George, when you're talking about resolving a conflict as opposed to resolving a dispute? Because that can happen a lot in the corporate workplace. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, generally when people are involved in a conflict, they're looking backwards, they become very positional, 
And that's where the mythical fixed pie especially comes into play. They're battling over a fixed amount. If I'm suing you for $6 million, we view that $6 million as a fixed pie, where either you're going to walk away with the $6 million or I'm going to get to keep my $6 million. And with a, a negotiation that focuses more on doing a deal, then there's an opportunity to think more in the future. It's a more positive type of negotiation. And what I've discovered in teaching negotiation is that even when you're involved in a conflict, there's an opportunity to focus on the interests of each side and build on those interests. So you can flip what looks like a, a fixed pie negotiation into a value creation negotiation. In my classes, we result, we negotiate the resolution of a lawsuit. And the students often come up with incredible results where they, they come up with results that benefit both sides to the litigation. And once again, we're speaking with Professor George Seidel who's a professor in the Ross School of Business at the University of Michigan. He's the author of Negotiating for Success, Essential Strategies and Skills. And really what I love about George's content is that, as he said earlier, he wanted to make something practical, and it is very practical. So far, some of the things we talked about is, you know, really understanding that it's good to try to come in negotiations from a win-win perspective and look at what the other person wants so you can try to make that work. It doesn't have to just be you winning and the other person losing. And that's important to think about. We also talked about the term BATNA, which stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement, which is essentially understanding what you have available to you if you do not get a deal done, essentially. What's your alternative? And so understanding what that is for you and also understanding what that is for the other party and trying to strengthen yours and then weaken the other person. The other point that I want to just reinforce that George mentioned was asking questions the right types of questions, getting the right type of information can, again, shift some power to you in the negotiation. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask Professor Seidel to stick with us for a minute. We're going to come back in a minute and wrap this up with our Take Action Today segment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show where Professor Seidel is going to help us wrap this up and give you some final kind of practical advice that you could take and apply some of these strategies he's discussed. And he's going to give an example of an exercise that he challenges his students to do. But before I do that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI. Engineering career advancement starts with licensure. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple review options is ppi2pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields, which is absolutely amazing. Best of all, they have new digital options for exam review that make preparing easier and more exam-like than ever. Visit ppi2pass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com. I also have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TECH8 on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's T-E-C-C and the number 8. Stands for The Engineering Career Coach and the number 8. And by the way, I'm one of those 4 million engineers that PPI helped to get their license. So I really believe in what they're doing. All right, I'm back with Professor George Seidel. We're talking about negotiating 
George, one of the things that you mentioned early on in your book, and I know we talked a lot about negotiation. You gave us information that's very practical. But before our listeners go and start to use all of these items, one of the first things you talk about in your book is determining whether or not you should actually enter into a negotiation. So can you talk about that? Let me give you an example, Anthony. In my MBA courses, I require that the students walk into town around campus, walk into a retail store or a restaurant and try to negotiate a lower price and then do a write-up on their experience. And I ask them before they do this, what percentage do they think will be successful? And usually most students say, well, probably about 5% of the class will be successful. Well, in fact, every year around 70% of the MBAs are successful in negotiating. They're not negotiating a to buy a car. They're not negotiating in a flea market. These are traditional retail operations. And so they're stunned. And so then the question is, if you're this successful, then why don't we all do this? Why don't we negotiate every day? And then you get into questions such as some people are embarrassed to do it. Some people don't want to make the time commitment. So there are a variety of reasons why they don't negotiate, even though they could be successful. My point in this opening chapter is simply before you dive into a negotiation, think carefully about the costs and the benefits. You might be successful, but at what cost? A friend of mine at Harvard Business School bought a package TV and and other accessories, and he saved $120. And so he was pretty proud of himself until he came home and his wife asked him, well, you know, how much time did you put into that? And he put in uh, 20 hours. And then she asked, well, is your time really worth it? Is your time really worth $6 an hour? Of course, his time was worth way more than that. So just as a practical matter, think about whether it makes sense to even go down the negotiation path. If you love to negotiate, if you're having a lot of fun saving a few dollars, that's more important to you than knowing the names of your children or whatever else you might be doing. That's great. But just realize that uh, you're headed down that path. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things to think about, too, is the consequences of any negotiation. And like I said earlier, the consequences could be damaging to the relationship of whoever you're negotiating with. There's a book that I read, and I don't know if you heard of it or not, but it's called Never Split the Difference. It's called Negotiating as If Your Life Depended on It by Chris Voss. It's also co-authored by Tal Raz. And Chris Voss was a, a ransom negotiator for the FBI for many years. And so one of the main points in the book, the idea of never split the difference is if you're hiring someone, let's say to paint your house and they give you a price and you negotiate them down 25 or 30, 40% of their price, it may feel great to you, but it doesn't really feel great to that person. And they may only give you half the effort on that project because they're not happy about the price that they ended up with. So the point is, is to think about the consequences. And, and George, we talked about this earlier on. We talked about the win-win and thinking about both parties. But I think that that's something that a lot of people don't think about. They want to jump into a negotiation. They want to win a negotiation, whatever win means to them. And they don't think about the long-term consequences. So I think to your point, George, of thinking of whether or not it's worth it to get into a negotiation, I think you need to consider all of those items. Just let me give you a closing thought, Anthony. And this is something I try to emphasize in my class. Negotiation teachers around the world, when their students do a negotiation, they ask the students, well, how did you do with the negotiation? 
and the students will describe their experience. But that's the wrong question. The question is not how did you do in the negotiation? The question is, did you do in performing the contract down the road? If the performance was successful, then the negotiation was successful. But just walking out of a negotiation thinking you you beat the other party is a worthless exercise. Always think in terms of down the road, will this contract be performed in a way you want it to? That's the key question, not how you performed during the negotiation itself. Professor, thank you so much for spending some time with us here today. You can find Professor Seidel's course on Coursera. That's C-O-U-R-S-E-R-A dot org. Just go to the search bar and type Seidel, S-I-E-D-E-L. Also, you can go to his website, which has a wealth of information, negotiationplanner.com. There's tools, there's tips, there's apps, very practical, excellent information. And again, George, we really appreciate the time. Thank you, Anthony. Enjoyed talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Professor Seidel. And I really hope that it serves to remind you, as it did me, that negotiating is something that we deal with every day. It's not just something that you do to try to get more money, whether it's for your job, your salary, or from a client or something like that. It really can be used in forging partnerships that can really change the way we do business going forward. So please spend some time on improving these skills. I think it'll be something that's very much worth your time. Before I let you go, I I do just want to remind you about our Engineering Management Accelerator online workshop. You can find out all the details at engineer2manager.com. That's engineer2manager.com. If you're an individual that you want to enroll, just in the sidebar, click individuals. It will take you to a page with the details. If you're a company looking to enroll multiple engineers on a team, the information's right there at engineer2manager.com for you. This is a course that can change, really change the course of your career, quite frankly, because it's going to help you to improve your management skills, something that a lot of engineering professionals just don't focus on. And I want to give you the ability to do that. It's a five-week course. You'll spend a couple hours a week getting webinar, live webinar training. And it's something that I'm excited about. And rather than me sit here and talk to you about it, before I let you go for this episode, I'm going to read testimonial from one of the engineers that went through the program. And she says, taking part in EMA was a very valuable experience to me. Initially, I was skeptical about signing up for the program because of my busy schedule, but I'm glad I did. Finding a coach with a similar background who has an understanding of where we as engineers come from and has knowledge about the industry made the experience truly unique. EMA is well-designed to initiate and accelerate management techniques such as team building, decision-making, communication, and networking skills. We may possess the technical knowledge to grow, but Anthony's program and tips help develop the much-needed soft skills to become better engineering managers and leaders. So with that, again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find a summary of the entire episode of my discussion with Professor Seidel by going to engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, click on our content tab, and look for episode 180 of the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Or of course, you could just Google it, which is probably quicker. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, and the books that we talked about specifically in the episode. You can leave a question in the comments section. We monitor all comments and will respond if you leave us one. And don't forget to check out our upcoming live webinar for this month at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.
The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.